Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Recover with Carly podcast. I'm here today with my friend Lauren Lavelle. I have been following Lauren on Instagram for quite some time, and I think that's a common theme with most of my guests. I think I say that in the intro of all my podcasts. I've been following this person, but honestly, social media has connected me with so many amazing people, and I'm so inspired by... Lauren specifically, which is why she's here. Um, So welcome, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me. I'm imagining little like applause. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Insert clapping. Yes. (laughs) And I'll just say for anyone interested, Lauren and I have been planning this for a while and then we had a date and then changed it and then had a date and then changed it. But we're here. We made it happen. We've made it happen. Coast to coast, the stars have aligned and we're here. Exactly. Exactly. And I'm so excited. So Lauren, do you mind just sharing with listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, who you are before we kind of dive into everything? Yes, I am Lauren Lavelle. Hi, everyone. My pronouns are she, her. I'm 31 years old. I live in Philadelphia with my husband and two cats. Um, And I am a full-time fitness instructor. I have my own online profile or online platform that you can join and move with me. And I've been doing that for three years online, but I've been in fitness for the better part of the last decade in person. And I just really enjoy introducing people to movement that isn't scary and overwhelming and that serious because it's really like 45 minutes of our day. So it can't be that serious. And I'm really happy to be here and talk about it. I'm so excited to have you. And part of my recovery journey was healing my relationship with movement. And Mm -hmm. your account has been a big part of that in terms of just being able to feel the ability to see movement as like joyful and to take the seriousness out of movement. Um, That's been like really big for me of like, okay, Oh, Damn, Carly, this doesn't have to be so serious. <laughs> no, you know? it's, so, it's, like, it's so unserious. It's like, the it's it's we have so much other stuff going on. Like, how serious can it be? Mm-hmm. And I think we don't hear that messaging enough. We hear a lot of the messaging opposite. around, like, the, exactly, the complete opposite. And it's like, that takes the fun out of it oftentimes, I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. It puts so much pressure on you if you're like, this is just another huge thing dropped onto my to-do list. Um, I have to feed myself. I may have to feed cats, dogs, children. Um, You know, I may have to drive myself to work and get gas and like go to work and sit in an office. Like there's just so many tasks Mm -hmm. in adulthood that adding pressure to going to the gym and performing at a certain energy level every single day at the same time all the time is like just added stress and yeah working out is already a stress to your body so let's pick Mm -hmm. a stress and stick with it (laughs) yes I love that kind of to start off do you mind just sharing a little bit about what your history with your body but also exercise and movement what that has looked like for you over the years or over your lifetime so far yeah absolutely I have always been like I've always been like chunky. I know that's a it's like that's a word of choice, you know, to describe mm-hmm. myself. I I have no problem uh considering myself plus size or fat, but like as a little kid, like that's if I saw me as a little kid, I'd be like, look at that little chunky kid. And so automatically there was a lot of pressure put on my body and like my abilities based on the way that I looked, right? Like as uh if you were a fat kid, um 
there was an expectation that you didn't move a lot and that you weren't going to be able to and that, you know, all the things that came with that. So there was just so much pressure from a very young age when it came to moving my body because of the expectations that people had for what I could or could not do. And I was and am, surprisingly to most people, like painfully introverted and shy. And so... The idea of getting out there, oh my God, the idea of getting out there and like running around a field, I'm already like chunky. I feel like people are looking at me. I feel like the PE teacher hates me. There were just so many things that made movement, made me so resistant to movement. And I never really explored if I liked doing it or not, because it just felt like it wasn't for me based on all those other factors. And then when I was in my late high school, early college years, I went to a couple years of community college, which was great. Can't say enough about community college. Um, I went to a couple years of community college and I had a friend who was working out and, you know, we just started working out together late at night. Um, You're in California now, so you know about 24-hour fitness, but we was Uh going to 24-hour fitness because it was 24 hours. So it was going... After college classes, nobody was there. And really, that's kind of where I picked up a less than healthy relationship with movement because I was doing a lot of tracking. I was doing a lot of um, beating myself up over what I could do and beating myself up in the gym as well. And that was kind of the biggest point in my life when I got into movement and I stepped away from doing that kind of exercise and took a bar class and... (laughs) When I was like 20, I don't know. I don't know how long I've been teaching more. 20 something, 24. And I was like, oh my gosh, this like kicked my butt and not in the same way as I had been doing it before. And at this point I was already progressing through my recovery. And I was like, I really like this. But then I started kind of looking up bar and looking at what people who did bar looked like. And I was like, whoa, they don't. Nobody here looks like me. Nobody in class looked like me, but nobody who was teaching definitely looked like me. I didn't really see a lot of representation anywhere of anyone who looked like me. Everyone was very thin and blonde and wearing matching sets. I'm like, let's be real. I'm blonde right now and I can wear a matching set, but I'm never going to be thin. Um, But I was just like, I kind of feel like that may be putting people off to this form of movement that I am really into. So let me get certified. And I did. And it's kind of like all uphill from there. Um, like getting certified, then becoming a personal trainer and getting certified so that I could work with people one-on-one. And that's what I've been doing since. And I really, really, I love it, but it's definitely not where my relationship with movement started. So I've come a long way with that. Do you feel like that's, I don't know if you have conversations about this a lot with people, but I feel like from my experience, I could probably confidently say that majority of people have that kind of experience with movement where it, whether or not you are, you find yourself being athletic and you're in sports and it kind of becomes this unhealthy mindset around movement and then you're introduced to someone or something that kind of gets you thinking a little bit differently about what movement can be. And then kind of seeing that shift into a little bit of a healthier relationship with movement. Do you feel like that's the case for most people than not? Yeah, I think overwhelmingly my membership uh, is women. And Mm -hmm. so I think that especially as we get older, we kind of discover again, we like discover the priorities and we discover what makes us feel good, hopefully. Hopefully, that's my hope for everyone that they learn to discover what makes them feel good um, when it comes to movement and all other things. But 
I think that I am working with a lot of people who were so burned by that toxic fitness culture that my classes are some of the first classes they're taking with this newfound like exploration. Like I'm so happy to be there as um, a weird little guide for that because it's it's everything. It's what brings me life and it's why I do what I do because I want to be that. I want to be the person who's like, please, like you're not giving up on yourself if you're taking a break. Like it's so, it's the least serious experience. Please do what feels right. And I think I've trained this group of people that I work with that when new people come in, they feel more encouraged to do that kind of That kind of like, okay, yeah, it isn't that serious. I am going to take a break. Or just being like, no, I'm not going to do that. It doesn't feel good. And then they take that and they take it outside of my online class and they apply it to other parts of their life. They apply it to other forms of fitness that they're doing. And they come back and they're like, oh, you'll never believe it. Like, I did this and it felt so good because I knew that I could leave or I knew that I could stop. And yeah, I I find that most of the people who are filtering through my membership and my community have similar experiences to that. It's that process of unlearning those Mm -hmm. kind of core beliefs that we have around what exercise and movement is. This is a process that I go through a lot with clients and therapy is this idea of like, what what are your core beliefs around movement? Like what what if you were to kind of dive deep into yourself, what would you say are those kind of core beliefs that you have you learned from other people or you saw from other people or you heard from other people that dictates those automatic thoughts that you have when it comes to movement and some of those automatic thoughts being, you know, I'm weak because I took a break or, mm-hmm. you know, I shouldn't be here. I'm not worthy of being here because I don't look like everyone else here, right? So I think unlearning unlearning those core beliefs is something that you're doing with the clients that work with you is you're helping them to understand that there are different ways to think and that can that can change and that can be adjusted and that's a really beautiful space to be in when you kind of have this freedom to be like, "Hey, I actually now get to reframe my core beliefs and my thought process and have a healthier more loving and empathetic relationship with my body and with movement. Yeah, I love that we get to be on either side of that because I feel like there it is important. I feel like I'm working with a lot of people who are working in therapy and then they get to come to class and like put it into practice in a space mm-hmm. where they know that they're not going to be judged for how that practice really looks because it's going to be messy and there will be days where it feels like a lot harder to do. And mm-hmm. one of the biggest thing that's really foundational for me is, um, you know, when it comes to body positivity, when it comes to body neutrality, when it comes to body liberation, like I I really feel like firmly rooted in neutrality um, because I have a lot of people coming through who are not anywhere near being like touching body love and self-love and body positivity. Like they are not there and they might never get there. But if I could stand firmly in neutrality and like look at them and be like why are you making this so serious can we really can we really parse this out and figure out why you think this is so serious and just kind of challenge that that old mindset without forcing them to be like now do this and love yourself um that's really hard that's really hard um we don't need to get there in 45 minutes of a bar class how like 
what? We can't get there. So can we get to like interrupting those negative thoughts? Can we just interrupt the negativity and move on through neutrality? It is what it is. Notice that you are very sweaty. Not, it was gross that I'm sweaty. I just am sweaty. Not, I love sweating. It makes me feel so good. I'm just sweaty. Like it can just be that. That's such a helpful space to navigate through because I think, and I have conversations with clients about this, about the frustration that they feel with individuals who promote like body positivity or self-love is that there can be almost this like toxic positivity around you have to feel this way. And if you don't feel this way, you're not doing enough work or, you know, you're not, you're You're not not there yet. You're not there yet. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think like having that conversation around, hey, you don't have to be at that place of love. You don't have to be at that place of like body liberation. You can solely just be neutral in the way that you look at and think about your body. Um, And I think that's so much more achievable for people. Like it's easier for people to kind of wrap their heads around that idea, especially for people majority of people who have spent most of their life dieting, doing the complete Mm -hmm. opposite of what body neutrality and body positivity is is about. And so you have to understand that that's a process that's going to take time and it's going to take a lot of work. And so it's not fair, you know, not fair for you to have this expectation of because you don't love yourself right now, right away, that you're failing. Um, that's not the case at all. Start with neutrality. Start with being neutral. And I guarantee you will see a huge shift just in the way that you think about yourself day to day. And that sounds like exactly what you're doing with your clients is just kind of encouraging them to have that more like neutral, maybe a bit more positive thought process about themselves and what's going on with their bodies rather than this automatic negative thought yeah. about their body. Yeah, it's it's a lot easier to get from negative to neutral and then neutral to positive, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, it's easier if you have that stepping stone and so much of my work and my cueing and my classes runs in that neutral space. And neutrality can be funny and I feel like there is space for liberation and neutrality because everyone is coming at this from a different space and it's really hard to get to that positive, positive, positive when you've been sick for a long time or when you feel like your body is unrecognizable to you for whatever reason. Um, It's really hard to skip straight to positivity and love. And so if you can build a huge like foundation in neutrality, it makes it so much easier because then it'll be like going through your day feeling neutral and you'll catch a glimpse of yourself and you'll be like, hot um and keep moving right like and you can go on and the same thing can happen the other way you catch a glimpse of yourself and you're like lord and then you just keep going like you can keep going if you have a strong neutral foundation and that's what i am trying to build 45 minutes at a time in these classes do you find that majority of your clients who you have this conversation with are more open to neutrality or they find that it is a lot easier for them to transition into rather than that space of love? Yeah, I think that um, I'm doing like really kind brainwashing. You know, I don't even think we talk about it that much. It's just what's happening to them. And I, I'm I'm the voice in class, you know, mm-hmm. I'm the voice that is guiding you through 
And I'm joking and we're talking about being out of breath and we're taking breaks and we're acknowledging that things are hard and we're saying that things are, you know, like this is a move that that so-and-so hates. Like I get to know people's personalities and I'm able to roll that into our classes and make it feel more real because the other thing about fitness is it does, there there's, it's so polarized, right? It's either like super positive, um, really overwhelmingly sweet and we're going to do it and it's going to be great. And then the other side is like, you better do it or you're never going to be great. And I'm exactly in the middle where I'm like, this is going to be great. And you might hate some of it. It's going to suck. Like you might think that this move is the worst move you've ever done in your life. And in this case, you have three other options or you can skip it. Like it's so, it's so again, not serious that we can we can give ourselves options and wiggle room within yeah. it. Yeah. Options. I think that's the most important aspect in that is having options. I think that's something that just speaking from my personal experience, like going to workout classes in the past, I felt like those options weren't there. Or if there were options, they it was verbalized in a way of like, Oh, are you pregnant? Here is here's an alternative. Oh, are you yeah. old? Or here's you could do this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> or it's like, Just are, do, do this. you have an injury? Here's an alternative. It's like, okay, well, I don't fall under any of those categories. I just simply want an alternative because that's where my body's at. But there is that internalized shame of like, oh, I can't utilize. I can't utilize the alternative option because I don't fall under the category that the instructor is giving us um, in terms of who these are for. Describing that in a way of like, it doesn't matter what your situation is or what your circumstances, like there are options and use the options if you need them. There is no shame in using those. Yes, absolutely. I will call out like some injury specific things that I'm like looking directly into the camera <laughs> at this person's soul because I know that they have a past injury and all of those things are applicable to everyone. So that's mm -hmm. the other thing is when I'm throwing out these variations you get to choose. Like you just get to choose. You don't, you don't have to think about it. You don't have to, and you can do one and you can change in the middle. And that's the other thing that felt like a lot of pressure in the past when I was taking classes where I'm like, oh, well, I've committed to this. Um, so I guess I got to go through with it. Even though my arms are burning and my shoulder feels really bad. Like I'm not going to ditch these weights and pick up lighter ones because I've committed. And again, really unserious behavior <laughs> like yeah. we can we can ditch the weights um i'm i'm probably the most annoying person to have in someone else's group fitness class because i'm over there like doing something completely different and they're like what is going on yeah. um <laughs> just going rogue in every fitness class but it's because <laughs> i want to be the person that other people are like she's going completely rogue um mm -hmm. i feel like it's a good time for me to switch out my weights because <laughs> she's distracting everyone um yeah because it's not serious. And even if I don't need to go rogue, like sometimes I'm just the person who decides to take a break in the middle of the yoga class because mm -hmm. I want to model taking breaks. And I feel like that has been really pivotal for me over the last couple of years going into, I recently started indoor cycling and 
I love it. It's it's so fun for me. It is so like literally the epitome of joyful movement for me is indoor cycling. But a big part of that for me has been learning how to navigate this space of like taking the saddle when I need to take the saddle when everyone else is not mm-hmm. or not having my resistance up as high as the instructors may be encouraging us to do, like being able to show up to the class however I feel like I want to show up and not worrying about what everyone else around me is doing and truly just being there for me. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do, but also one of the most like liberating things to do, being able to show up and be like, this workout, this movement is for me. And it doesn't matter what the person next to me is doing. It doesn't matter what the person next to me is thinking or what the instructor's thinking about me. Like this is for me and I get to sit when I want. I get to I get to decide all of these things for myself and meet myself where I'm at. And that has been life-changing for me. And I'm sure you have conversations with, with your clients about that, like encouraging them to make those decisions for themselves and to show up for themselves and to understand that this movement is for them and they have nothing to prove to anyone else. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that you have had that experience because I feel like you said the word liberating and it is. It is such a practice in autonomy and knowing yourself and you're doing it in a dark spin room or in a bar (laughs) class and it's applicable everywhere else in your life. So once you start ditching weights and sitting your ass down on the bike, like mm-hmm. what else are you going to do? Where else are you able to say, no, thank you? Where else are you able to say, mm, this is not what's best for me? And again, it seems so silly that that's like the lessons that come out of these 45 minute, 50 minute, one hour classes, but it's real. Like if you can if you can find those little little strings of like where you can put it together where you're like, oh, wait a second. I do know what I like and I do know what's best for me when we've spent so many years thinking that we don't know what's best for us. Everyone else outside of us knows what's best for us. Um, our bodies are not good. Everybody else knows what our bodies are supposed to look like. We're not doing it right. The teacher is thinking about me not doing it right. Um, everyone knows I'm not doing it right. Like all of those like thoughts can be interrupted by being like, I'm going to sit my ass down really quick. Hold on. Um, And once you do it like one time and you survive, it becomes so much easier to start figuring out where there are other places in your life or other places in your movement practice that you can do those things and apply them. What are your thoughts behind this idea of, you know, I think that when we talk about choosing to take a break, choosing to sit down, like choosing to do what you need in these classes, there comes this kind of backlash from people who maybe aren't in the same space as us, who are maybe still experiencing quite a toxic relationship with movement. But there can be this backlash of like, but you're not pushing yourself. You're not allowing yourself to push past, you know, what you're capable. I hear that from people in spin who are like, well, I can't sit down because I'm I'm pushing myself to this new level. And I think like, I'm just curious what your thoughts are on on that. I have a lot of thoughts on that. The first thing that came to mind was like pushing yourself to where? Like, girl, where are you going? You're on a stationary bike and- you're literally going nowhere. <laughs> You're going nowhere. And also, where are you going? Tour de France? Like, mm-hmm. it. 
what what is the end goal of pushing yourself just finding yeah. another way to punish yourself because that's what feels good because that's what feels safe because that's what you've been doing for your whole life is punishing yourself so it feels good to punish yourself because that's what you're used to mm-hmm. that's my question for people who are constantly pushing and constantly trying to go to the next level this is not to say that you can't get better air quotes get better get stronger get faster get more endurance All of those things can happen without you having the narrative that you have to push yourself and then it has to be punishing and that you have to just break through all of these walls. All of those things can happen through consistency and consistency is easier to grasp when you're not in pain because every Mm -hmm. single class you have pushed yourself past the threshold of being able to recover properly. So there is a lot that goes on and I'm a push yourself person to myself. I will fully acknowledge I'm a push yourself person. You can ask my husband. He's mm-hmm. like, please. And I, that's not how I teach because I know that it's not, it's just not real. Like I, I have done a lot of healing through being able to hold that space for other people and through being like, yeah, like, why am I doing it that way? It's not, it's not serious and it's not real. And I get that people want to get the most out of this, but what if the most is just showing up and being in the space? Yeah. Like, what if that is someone's the most? You don't know. Like, you just don't know what someone is getting out of it and what someone's pushing looks like. Pushing could be like me going to something in person because I have a lot of anxiety about doing things in person. I don't, I'm, I'm an introvert and I like to stay home. So, yeah. like, me going out is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't know if them showing up to that class is the push yourself. Like, you just yeah. don't know. And I think a lot of that narrative just really comes from a history of punishing yourself and being punished. Yeah. And I think this idea of like pushing yourself or quote, getting the most out of workout stems solely into like how many calories you're burning. Right. I think that it's like solely that is 100% where this idea comes from of like, I need to push myself so that I can burn the most amount of calories that I can in this amount of time. And I think that's where a lot of the issues come in. It's like you're focusing on a certain amount of numbers that you're trying to, Mm -hmm. that you're trying to burn, but you're also ignoring like the signs that your body is giving, telling you that, Hey, I need a break or Hey, I'm tired, which then is going to lead to injury or Mm -hmm. difficulty in, in recovery afterwards. And you know, I think it's, un- yeah, part of that is unlearning that idea that working out or moving your body is not about burning calories. It's not about how many calories you can burn. It's about moving your body in a way that feels good for you and unlearning this idea that we exercise to burn calories. No. I didn't even like think of that because I don't even remember that that's a thing. Um, like, I do I remember that that's a thing. I, I, just, I don't want people to think that I'm not like thinking about the full spectrum of experiences here. Yes. I really am. But like I because that's not a thing within our membership and because it I have made a point to make it not a thing like that's not mm-hmm. that doesn't come up. Like, you better not be dropping that in my chat. You better Mm -hmm. not be posting that in no comments. Like, that's not what we're doing here. That's fine if you want to do it. Because, again, I'm holding space for people in a wide variety Mm -hmm. of, like, of their journey, like, of their lives. Like, if 
I don't know. I don't know if my people are looking at a watch because they're not telling me and that's okay yeah. because we're not sharing that type of information. But I, the other thing that I really love just reminding people is unless you are in some high tech like kinesiology or sports lab and you're all hooked up to a machine even then, huge margin of error. Like there's no tried and true information that you are getting from these watches and trackers. And I'm saying that as someone who's wearing a watch or tracker. Like I wear this thing all the time. If I take it off, you're gonna see there is a really bad tan. And I wear it for a number of reasons because I do like data. I like to nerd out on that stuff, but I also have come a long way to be able to get back here. I took a tracker off for four years. Like I didn't look at a tracker or think about buying a watch or anything like that for four years because I knew I couldn't be trusted with that information. Even knowing that that information is incorrect, it doesn't matter. So I have to always remind people like, make sure you're looking at the right metrics. If you want to look at that, that's totally fine. Let's look at how much you sleep and what sleep does for your recovery and what a good recovery does for your workout and so on and so forth. If you're building a streak, can you build it based on, you know, how well rested you are and then how you feel during your workout? Do those things correlate? Can we find something else to focus on? Like, can we take it away from the very basic steps and calories and get in depth and use this as a tool rather than everything that you base your worth and your life off of? Just asking, just just asking the questions. We'll see what happens, you know? And like, some people are into it and some people aren't, but it's just the idea that that, that is out there. You don't have to give up the tech that you love. You could just start using it in a way that is more supportive of your body and like more supportive of the voice that you need to be listening to. That idea of like really honing in and focusing on those important metrics, the important data is really important. It's it's something that I feel like mo- a lot of people don't talk about. I, I have even been to classes before where the instructor's like, okay, everyone, don't forget to start your watch. And I'm like, I roll. I, I'm yeah. rolling my eyes. Like, can we not? <laughs> can we, can yeah. we not? And again, to say that if that's something that you enjoy doing, if you like having your workouts tracked and you want to start your watch at the beginning of it, you want to have the proof, I I don't know, proof that you did the workout, then Mm -hmm. go for it. But also I, you know, encourage people to maybe go to a class without your watch on, like just see what that feels like to be able to like, go to to move your body without your watch to see like, do you feel like you can still feel the same? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. Yeah. And to still feel proud of yourself afterwards for what you did and feel strong afterwards and not having the numbers to validate that. Because I think at the end of the day, that's really what that's really what it is. Those numbers are validating for a lot of people of, okay, I did just put in a lot of work. And yeah, I did this is proof that I did it. Yeah. And if I don't have these numbers, like how do I know that it was enough? Or how do I know that I don't need to do more? So understanding like you can self-validate, you can validate for yourself that your workout was just enough, no matter if you have the numbers to prove it or not. (laughs) 
Yes, absolutely. And I really do think that it helps you become more intuitive if you are someone who is heavily relying on this. I will say a couple of call outs. Number one, I work with a lot of people who have chronic illnesses, and including POTS. So mm-hmm. uh, for all my POTS people and anything else that causes heart rate spikes or blood pressure spikes and drops rapidly, of course, your wearable can be a great way to keep track of that. And um make sure that you're like, oh, you know, like this thing is starting to beep. Like I'm, I'm getting real like dizzy. This is a great way to keep track for yourself and really like hone in on again, the heart rate or the blood pressure or whatever your thing is tracking. So there is a a value in that in so many other ways. And also the, the tracker that I wear, you talked about going to class without it. Um, I so often, because it has no face, you know, um, so often I'm wearing this as a bracelet. It is dead. There's, it is not charged. It's not even on. Um, like the other day I thought it was on and it's been a little bit more important as I'm like travel. I got back from travel. I was trying to rest, um, trying to see like how my body was responding to being home and hydrated again, because I was definitely dehydrated for two weeks. And I know that's the only reason I noticed that it was no longer alive. I was just like, uh Oh, I've been walking around. You know, I taught a class, went for a long walk, all these things. And it's not an uh Oh, because those things don't count. Those are real. I'm a real person. I did those things, but it's just funny because I I'm like, okay, I guess I'm just wearing a bracelet now. Like, it doesn't even tell time. Just a tracker. (laughs) That's something I hear a lot, too, with, like, Apple Watches. People who are just like, I've had this on for literally six months. I haven't taken it off in six months or whatnot. And they're like, I just use the clock on it. And I don't even, like, sometimes I don't even think that I have it on or don't remember that I have it on. That's a valid point to it, too, of, like, I think you just get used to having it. It's like a safety thing. It's like an emotional support bracelet, an emotional support watch in a way (laughs) yeah I'm almost at the point where I can like it's starting to get cooler it's gonna get it's gonna be wintry here in Philly at some point um so I'll be able to like take it off without completely blinding everyone with the spot underneath it (laughs) but right now it's just like everything around it is very nice um and tan and that thing underneath there that little band under there I'm just like wow okay cool so I I did wear it when we were on our trip because I'm like I don't want that band showing in the photos yes yes (laughs) speaking of trips speaking of traveling I think this comes up a lot when we're in the space of movement and exercise um I love this question already yes it is this like (laughs) pressure to like make sure that you get your exercise in, you get your movement in while you're on vacation. And I've been here, I've been this person who was like, okay, does my hotel have a gym? You know, am I gonna take like pre-downloaded workouts? Like what am I, how am I preparing for this? Um, So I would love your take on navigating travel and like movement. Like how, how do you navigate that for yourself? And how do you, how do you help others? like navigate that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to start with how I help others. And it's more just like a checklist or questions. And it's really asking, where are you going? And why are you going there? Right? So if you're someone who's constantly traveling for work, then I'm like, yeah, I get it. I get why you would want to kind of stick with your schedule because you're not there for pleasure. You're there for work. And if it's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you usually work out on Tuesdays, It might be a nice thing to find a space to move your body and to keep you 
in your schedule to keep your body adjusted to that movement. There's no shame in working out and wanting to work out when you travel. It's more around how it's impacting you, how it's affecting you. Um, Are you like frantically searching for gyms or only selecting to go places that you can go to the gym? Or are you unable to do you know, an excursion or a dinner with friends until you do a certain amount of exercise. Those are the things that make it not fun. But if you're traveling for work, again, like schedule can be really important and really make people feel super grounded. So totally casual. Um, If you're going to like I did, if you're going to Europe and you're or somewhere that you're going to be walking around. I was in Europe for I don't even know, like two. It was like two weeks, but there were travel days in between. And we walked like over a hundred miles in like 11 days. That's a lot. It's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot. Um, And it was casual. It wasn't, it wasn't framed as a workout. It wasn't like, oh, we're going to go out and go do our walk. It was like, we're going to go sightseeing and eat gelato and go here Mm -hmm. and go walk around a museum. And so do you need to add a workout to that? I don't know. I don't know if you need to add a workout to that. I I didn't think so. I needed to add in stretches. I added in um, appropriate bedtimes. I added in like foot and ankle and calf recovery days for myself because I knew I wanted to be able to keep doing what I was doing. So how can I make this practice of moving my body sustainable? And I felt zero guilt about being out of the gym and being out, out out of my classes for two weeks. I I literally didn't have the energy to even think about it. Like it was laughable how little energy I would have had to work out. Um, And there is a time and a place where I would have forced that on myself. And then maybe what? You're not feeling great about walking around the next day and now you're not going to feel good going and sightseeing. You're in a bad mood because your body is beat up from all of your workouts. Um, not really a trade that I am willing to make at this point. So I think I personally don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to work out when you travel. And I want to know why you want to work out when you travel. I want to know what it's adding. Is it just because you're afraid of missing two weeks at the gym? Are you afraid of losing progress? And again, this is like an air quotes, what progress, what progress are we talking about? Is that progress that really matters? Are you losing out on the vacation that you so desperately need and deserve to spend time looking for a gym or working out inside in the gym instead of going and having fun? And it really is about navigating that individually for yourself and asking yourself these questions and being willing to ask them again in the middle and at the end. You know, is it necessary? Um, Do I need it? How do I feel? Did that workout make me feel so much better because I was so anxious and didn't know what to do while I was on vacation? So working out made me feel really grounded or did it make me feel exhausted and crabby and I was hangry before dinner because I put off doing X, Y, and Z and then we got in a fight and we had a bad night. Like not from personal experience or anything, um, <laughs> but like those are so real. Like it, yeah. I think it's really about questioning your motives behind why you would like to do that and remembering that part of having a consistent exercise and movement routine is also having a consistent rest practice and if you want to work that in those couple weeks that week those three days this Uh is a great opportunity to work that into your routine and let your body fully recover 
from what you've been regularly doing, even if you're doing something else. The thing that comes to mind for me, like the word that I'm seeing, nice big font in my head is intention. Like what is your, what's Uh your intention behind feeling this need to work out, exercise on a vacation? Like you were saying, is it because you feel like you need to do that in order to quote unquote earn food that you're going to be eating on vacation, which is something I hear a lot. I, I've been there when I was really heavy into, you know, dieting. That was a big thing for me. It's like, I'm going to work out this in the morning because then I can quote unquote earn the food that I'm going to eat on this vacation. And that is a very harmful, toxic mindset to have around, you know, just the fact that you would even need to earn food to begin with. And so I think that, yeah, that intention aspect of asking yourself, what's my intention for feeling like this is a really important thing that I schedule into my vacation? And can you self-validate that the walking and the other forms of movement that you're going to be doing on your trip are just as valid, are just as, you know, important than if you were to find time to go to a gym and do something else? It's like, do you have that ability to be flexible with yourself? And I think that's a really important aspect of healing your relationship with movement is allowing yourself to be flexible in that and saying, okay, a walk is great today and that's going to feel really good for my body. Or, oh, tomorrow I feel like I want to do stretch. I want to stretch. Okay, do I have time tomorrow to do some stretching? But always going back to that place of intention. Yeah. And I think the flexibility really comes with, it's a practice. Um, So you might not feel that way on your first couple of vacations. And I'm talking about actual vacations, not just travel, right? I'm talking about Mm -hmm. vacation, vacation, your family is there. You may not feel that way. And maybe you have a family who's engaging in that kind of behavior where everybody has to get up and do their individual workouts or what have you. Um, And again, this is just an opportunity to practice that autonomy and practice that like really looking inward and asking yourself, is this what I want to do? Because honestly, there are a few things that I despise more than like a fully all the way start to finish bad mood workout. Like I can start a workout in a bad mood, but if I end it in a bad mood, I'm just going to be like, wow. That whole thing sucked. Um, I often start workouts in a bad mood. I'm going to be real. But most of the time when I finish, I'm like, yay, endorphins. Um, But starting and feeling bad about it, starting and feeling guilty about it, doing it and not feeling good enough, and then ending and feeling like it was a waste of time, like that sounds freaking awful and then what are you gonna go to Disneyland with your parents or something like I don't know but like you're not gonna be in a good mood like you're not gonna be the the version of yourself that you want to be on vacation when you're supposed to be having fun so really weighing that in and being like yeah a walk is enough and also you don't need to like you can be sitting in a tour bus all day and be fine if I'm sitting in a tour bus all day the first thing I'm gonna do when I get off of that bus is probably do like five minutes of stretching. And the other thing when it comes to travel, when it comes to vacation is the time. You don't need to do a 30 minute workout. You don't need to set aside 60 minutes to do it. You can take the five minutes in the morning to do a little bit of movement, get in your body, feel like you're not going to blow up at everyone that you're traveling with, Mm -hmm. you know, ground yourself and get on with your day. Exactly. And I love that. I love that take on it. I love 
I love that idea of being able to like prioritize that because you know that it's going to have a positive, (laughs) a positive impact on you and people that you're on vacation with, but it's going to have that positive impact on how you feel and how your day, how your day goes. Um, So yeah, I love that. I think that's a really important mindset and, and thought to keep in mind when traveling because that's that's something that comes up a lot with friends and with family and just with clients too I'm going on vacation how can I continue to keep my workouts scheduled and my first question is what like you said what's your intention why does that feel so important to you um to schedule those things in um so yeah I love that I love your take thank you for sharing (laughs) absolutely and also just like the big the big put a bow on it is really like to remember athletes olympians like everyone like they all take time to rest like designated times in their schedules include rest and Mm -hmm. so maybe your vacation isn't going to be super restful because you are going to be walking like hundreds of miles but it might be different than being on a spin bike or being in a bar class which Mm -hmm. i definitely found in my body a lot of that soreness and everything Mm -hmm. went away you need time to let your body repair or let your body do something different. So can we take advantage of this time off and allow ourselves to take that break? Yep, exactly. So to kind of wrap things up, one last question I have for you, um, and kind of a question I ask all my guests, um, is what piece of advice would you give listeners who are working on healing their relationship with movement? I think my number one piece of advice to anyone who's looking at starting movement, getting back into movement, reframing their relationship with movement would be to be curious, continuously curious. So curious about the way that you think about certain things, curious about the way that you talk to yourself, curious about the movement you choose to count and not count, curious about taking breaks. Um, I think curiosity and continued exploration of what your body is doing right now, this version, version 2023 or version 2024, whatever version of it that it is, what, what do you need right now? What are you curious about expanding? What are you curious about leaving behind? Um, I think just constantly opening yourself up to change even if you're not ready to walk through that door just like peeking through and seeing seeing what it's about can be such a big part of healing and reframing your relationship or even starting your relationship with movement curiosity will will get you very far i love that i love that i think that's such a great place to kind of wrap things up um thank you lauren so much for being here thank you for sharing your experience and your expertise and i'm so glad that we finally made this happen Yay, um, yes. so thankful <laughs> for you and all of the work that you're doing and i hope that you you truly do know that the work that you're doing is life-changing and it is really helping so many people and I hope that you I hope you see that I hope you know that and I hope you tell yourself that enough because it's changed my life it's opened my eyes to a lot of things and you're creating a safe space for individuals to move their bodies with no judgment to heal their relationship with their bodies and that is truly one of the most empowering and important things that we can do for ourselves 
and you Thank get to you. be a big part of that. So I hope that you I are proud of yourself. It. I feel very, very, very lucky and privileged and blessed to be able to do the work that I do and work with the people that I do. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much. Of course. So for listeners who want to follow you, want to check out the work that you do, where can they find you? Yeah, they can follow me on Instagram, which is where we connected at Lauren Lavelle Fitness. You know, it's not all fitness. It's like 99% cats that I see on my walks. Um, and then they can follow me on TikTok, which is a whole other mess of like randomness at Lauren Lavelle Fit. And if they want to become a member or if they're curious about taking classes with me, laurenlavellefitness.com, you can find information on that. I have an FAQ. I have all the things and I have open classes, drop-in classes, usually once a month. Um for people who are not ready to commit to being a member, but just a little curious. I love that. And I will put everything in the show notes for anyone who is interested and um, wants to check out the work that Lauren is doing. And listeners, if you related or resonated with today's episode, please feel free, leave a rating and review, screenshot you listening, tag Lauren and I, let us know what you took away from today's episode. And I will see you all in the next episode. Bye. Bye.